Ah, good morning. Yeah, good. Um, in case you don't know my name, my name is Dario again. Um, a few weeks ago, my wife set me up, went somewhere, and uh, she kept saying, oh, by the way, last time you preached, you spoke about something about Duncan and the garment of preaching. And so what you have standing in front of you is actually my preaching shirt. <laughs> Because my wife had to customize this and buy this for me because she said that I haven't got a check yet. So, <laughs> <laughs> so. But, but if I wear this on a Sunday, don't think I'm preaching, by the way. Okay, so, so just, just to clear that. But it, it's always good to, to wear something that your wife buys for you, you know. And um, so um, I'm glad she's happy <laughs> that I'm wearing that. Um, also... This, the last week has been amazing for me because uh, it's, it's half term and you don't get to do any work and you still get paid for it. You know, it's that kind of thing that you don't work and then you still get paid for it. And then you then wonder whether you're actually doing the right thing. But at least you know that you, you've done some work for that. So, yeah, good. Um, today, we are going to look at Isaiah commissioning. And I've titled this message, uh, Isaiah's commissioning and the God of process. Now, can I just pray before we go on? Uh, Lord, we just thank you for this amazing time. And Lord, I pray that um, you'll speak to your people this morning. And let this be a wonderful time in your presence, O oh God. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I also want to say uh, thank you to Duncan as well, because uh, this is my third time I'm standing before you to preach. And um, I don't take it for granted. So it's a privilege to just um, be a coach to talk. Uh, sometimes, you know, people think that, you know, because you're in a small chair, so, you know, somebody should be able to speak. But no, you know, I'm, I'll, I'll be very happy to sit down there and do nothing, you know. But, so it's, it's a great privilege to uh, be asked to, to come and share God's word with you people, which means I've been studying and like, God, help me. What should I say to these people this morning? So the first thing I want to talk about is, if I ask you a question, what is the most amazing thing you've ever seen? If you were to consider something in the last few years, what would be that one amazing picture, one amazing scene that you can never, ever forget? Or is there a picture in your heart that if you see that picture, it reminds you of something wonderful, something amazing? And um, so as I was thinking about that, I also had to dig deep and go back into my archives and ask myself, what are the most amazing things that has happened to me? And um, some pictures there, you know. I, I, each of those pictures have um, a, a memory for me because I can tell you about each of those pictures and, and what it meant. The, the, the standout is, is, is the baby dreading pseudo cream, you know. And that was where my, my son and daughter, you know, uh, we're experimenting, and before I knew it, they've actually decorated the baby with pseudocam. Like, I was almost, like, furious. Like, what have you guys done? It was really <laughs> crazy. And each of those pictures, you know, uh, that was when I was trying to, you know, uh, audition for a, a certain movie, you know. But thankfully, I was not accepted <laughs> because that would have been awful. Now, apart from these kind of pictures, you, you also look at the pictures where you've been. And for me, one of the places I've been, it's, it's a place in Westershire uh, called uh, the Malvern Hill. And it, it took me a long time because you have to climb up. And then once you get to the summit, it's so beautiful what you see. 
And, and it's amazing that, you know, if I ask somebody in this place, what is that picture? Somebody may refer to a certain place. Someone may refer to a certain memory. So we all have different experiences that will determine how we see things and what we find most memorable. But for me, each of those two speaks volume to me. It, it ignites a, a sense of happiness. That anytime I look at those pictures, they remind me of something. And I've just used this as a context to help us see what happened to Isaiah. Because in Isaiah 6, uh, it talks about Isaiah's commissioning <coughs> and what happened after. So if you've got your Bible, I'd like to turn to Isaiah 6. And I'm going to read from verses 1 to 13. So Isaiah 6, 1 to 13. Um, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling one to another, Holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorpost and the treasure shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live amongst a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a life coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongues from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Hey, am I? Send me. He said, go and tell these people, be ever hearing but never understanding, be ever seeing but never perceiving. Make the heart of these people callous, make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their heart and turn and be healed. Then I said, for how long, Lord? And he answered, until the cities lie ruined. And without inhabitants, until the houses are left deserted, and the field ruined and ravaged, until the Lord has sent everyone far away, and the land is utterly forsaken. And though a tent remain in the land, it will again be laid waste. But as the terebinth and oak leave storms when they are cut down, so the oldest seed will be the storm in the land. Lord bless the reading of his word. Um, Today I want to talk about four key things. Um, I want to look at Isaiah's dilemma. And the second thing I want to look at, when God reveals himself, and and I call it WBG effect, so watch out for that, whatever that means. Uh, The third thing I want to talk about is an an unusual call for church life. And lastly, a call for kabod. Kabod simply means glory. Um, so, uh, we're looking at those four things as um, the next couple of minutes, as God will help us. So, the first thing that happened in Isaiah 6, and by the way, um, 
to put this into context, Duncan has done uh, a series from Isaiah 1 to 5. And Isaiah has been a prophet that has been uh, shouting the judgment of God, calling Israel to repentance. You know, in Isaiah 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, he, he kept emphasizing that the people of God need to turn back to God. And then, getting to Isaiah 6, you ask yourself, hang on a minute, what is going on? This is somebody that has been talking, preaching the gospel, telling the people that God's judgment is about to come. And in Isaiah 6, something happened to him. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, with two they were flying. And they were calling one to another, Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole head is full of his glory. In the year that King Uzziah died. Now, I asked myself a question. Why the emphasis on King Uzziah? Because Isaiah saw the Lord in the same year that King Uzziah died. Now, just a bit of a context about who is Uzziah to Isaiah. They sound similar, don't they? Uzziah to Isaiah. So who is this King Uzziah to Isaiah that will make Isaiah to be so emphatic about what he saw when the king died? Because it was so important that Isaiah was deliberate in reporting that I saw the Lord in the year that King Uzziah died. Now, just a bit of context. Now, Uzziah was a very significant person in Isaiah's life. Now, if you look at 2 Chronicles 26, 22, you know, the Bible says the rest of the event of Uzziah's reign from the beginning to the end are recorded by the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos. So, Isaiah was actually the person that chronicled the life of Uzziah. So, that tells me something important, that Isaiah must have been so close to Uzziah, or Isaiah must have known Uzziah so well that he has managed to chronicle everything about this king. Now, I'm very sure that Uzziah was not just another king. Uzziah was one of the most significant kings in Israel. Because if you look at what Uzziah did, I'll just put a bit of context about Uzziah as well. Now, Uzziah was 16 years old when he began to reign. Now, he reigned for 52 years. 52 years. Now, Uzziah did what was right in the sight of the Lord, as his father Amaziah had done. Now, Uzziah sought the Lord also during the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God. Now, as long as Uzziah made a point to seek God, God made him prosperous. So, Uzziah was so prosperous, he, he did amazing things. Now, one of the things he did was he defeated the Philistines. He built fortified towers and strengthened the armies of Judah. Uzziah in that day would be like a military commandant, somebody that God used mightily to build fortresses. In his days, there were a lot of military interventions. Uzziah was a mighty army, a mighty army general. His fame and strength did something to him. It got to a point in Uzziah's life, he became so proud. And he thought he could become a prophet. And what happened was, he went into the temple to 
offer incense to God. And when he got there, the, the priest said, no, this is not your call. You are the king, not the prophet. You are the king, not the priest. But Uzziah ignored that instruction and wanted to offer incense to God. And at that particular time, we forgot to Chronicles 26. The Bible says that God struck Uzziah with leprosy, and he became a leper. And in Israel, if you're a leper, you're not allowed to come into the temple. So Uzziah was driven out because he was leprous. He was driven out, and he was not able to come into the temple again. And later, he died. Now, this is a man that Isaiah has chronicled. This is the man that Isaiah spent his time talking about. It must have been so important to Isaiah that when he died, I'm very sure Isaiah must be distraught. Oh, this king is gone. But it was in that same year that he died that the Lord revealed himself to Isaiah. Now, I, I think there are a few things that happened there, which is very important. Firstly, God was saying to Isaiah that Uzziah may have died. And you think the throne is empty. The throne is vacant. But the first thing he says, I saw the Lord seated on the throne. That you may think the throne of Israel is vacant, but I am the real king. I sit on the throne. Seated on the throne. And the train of his robe filled the temple. So Uzziah may have died, but the real king is still alive. The king of all kings is still alive. There's no failure in him. He is the holy God. And he does not die like Uzziah died. Okay? He lives on. Uzziah may have gone, but I am the true king. And I think I was saying to Isaiah, that Isaiah, you have looked at Uzziah for too long. You have looked at this person for too long. I am the person that you should be looking up to. I am the real king. The throne may look empty, but it is not. The Lord's seat on the throne. Isaiah is giving this magnificent description of the Lord God to impress upon him that we should not lose a sense of godly fear. We should not lose a sense of who God is. In the circumstances of our lives, when trouble comes, we should always remember that we have a God we can look up to. And I love a place in Hebrews 12, uh, verse 2. Hebrews 12, 2. It says, looking unto Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith. Now, my challenge to you this morning is that when trouble comes, when you feel discouraged, where do you go? Who do you turn to? And God is saying to Isaiah this morning that I want you to look up to me. I want you to look up to me because I am the person that should be your focus. And it's a call for us this morning that we must never allow anything to take the place of God in our lives. And like Uzziah, my challenge to all this morning is that what has died in our lives? Or what are we going through? You know, that makes us feel so disappointed, just like Isaiah. And but God is saying to all this morning that when you go through that disappointment, know fully well that there's still a God that sits on the throne. Sometimes things happen in our lives to reveal God's glory. So when Uzziah died, Isaiah may have felt bad. But in the same year, in the same predicament, in the same disappointment, God revealed his glory. Now, I have looked at my life, and 
You see, the, the best time I've experienced the glory of God is when I'm going through the most awful time of my life. So God often revealed himself in terrible situations. God often revealed himself when things are not going the way we expect it to be. In the midst of that, God reveals his glory. And this is just a challenge to us this morning, that whatever we go through, in that same point, God wants to reveal his glory. And that was exactly what happened. Okay? In the year that Uzziah died, God revealed himself. And his train filled the temple. And there was a shout of holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. So that's a call for us this morning. That whatever we're going through, God is always on the truth. God never leaves us, never forsakes us, and is always there for us all the time. Very, very important. Now, the second point I want to raise is when God reveals himself. Now, when the king died, Isaiah the revelation of what God is. Now, it says, at the sound of their voices in verse 4, the doorpost and the treasure shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. And Isaiah said something very profound. He said, woe is me. Now, I call it a WBJ effect, because three things happened to Isaiah. The first thing was he recognized his shortfalls. He recognized his inadequacies. The first thing he said, when he saw the glory of God, he said, woe is me. He said, woe to me. Some verse says, I am doomed. I am ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. God is always in the business of manifesting his glory. And the context of Isaiah 6, these three things happen. The first thing was he recognized a sense of shortfall, that woe is me. Isaiah came to a point in his life where he realized that he was nothing without God. And so in the presence of the Holy God, he senses his own shortfall. There's probably nothing that leads us to a deeper understanding of who God is when we begin to realize our own shortfall. And that was exactly what happened to Isaiah. Isaiah felt that there was something that was missing. And I asked myself a question when I was preparing for this. Now, why do people sometimes cry in God's presence? Why do people go on the news? Why do people, you know, they're lost in wonder when they come to God's presence? Because they get to a point in their lives, they feel, it is not about me. It's about him. And, and, and that was what Isaiah felt. And, and I pray a, a day is coming, you know, that we'll come to God's presence. And we can't just, no, no one can preach because the glory of God just fills the temple. You know, I've had some experiences in my life, and I'll just share a few with you. I remember when I was about 12, and I was just, you know, getting to know the Lord and all that. And I remember I had, as you're going to call it a dream, you're going to call it a vision, but I remember vividly that I saw this amazing presence. And I was like in the midst of people just, just being so happy and joyful and singing. And I saw like a man coming towards me with a crown. 
And it was coming with this amazing crowd I've never ever seen in my life before. And as it was coming, I knelt down and it was about to put this crown on my head. And it said, boy, be careful. And then I woke up. Now, I ran to, I ran to school because there was this person that had been talking to me about God and everything. And I, I, I ran to school. I said to him, look, this is what I saw. And he said to me that, you know, you saw God's presence. And God is saying to you, I'm going to use you. But as you go through life, you've got to be mindful of what you do. Be mindful of your friends. Be mindful of, of where you go. Because God's hand is upon your life. And God wants to use you for his glory. And so for me, at that point, I, I, I felt this, this inadequacy about myself. And anytime I remember, I'm always saying to Lord, Lord, just help me. Because I just want to live for you. I want to be who you want me to be. And I felt Isaiah got to that point in his life as well. He, he, he felt that it is not about me. It's about him. And when we worship, do we come to that point that we feel like, Lord, just use me for your glory. It's not about me, oh God. Lord, I just lay myself at your feet. All of you and none of me, oh God. Do we come to that point in our lives that we just say, Lord, whatever you want to make out of this life, Lord, use it. Jesus come to that point in his life. He said, not my will, oh God, but your will be done. And God is saying to us this morning, come to that point where you realize that it is no longer about me, it's about him. At any time people come to God's presence, they always realize that there's something missing. Now, if you know about Job very well, and um, Job was a man that went through trials and tribulations, and Job kept defending himself that he had done nothing wrong. But when God revealed himself to Job, if you look at Job, um, Job said, I think Job 42, he said, when God encountered God's, he said, when Job encountered God's presence, he said, I have heard of thee by the hearing of hair, but now my eye sees thee. Before I harbor myself and repent in dust and ashes. When Job experienced God's presence, he realized that there was something missing. He realized his own inadequacies. And he said, God, I repent. And so God wants to reveal himself to us. And it's something we must desire all the days of our life. He said, God, just reveal yourself to me. Lord, show me your glory. Because in the song we've sung today, you know, anytime you see the word only in the, in the scriptures and it's about the angel worshiping God, they always emphasize that word. It's so, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. If you look at Revelation, I think Revelation 4 verse 8, you know, the same place, it's holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. Because anytime we come into his presence, God wants us to become holy. And I was looking at the word holiness. Holiness simply means that to be set apart, to be caught out. So when the angels worship and say, holy, holy is the Lord, they are saying that this God is set apart. So when we experience his glory, God is setting us apart. Now, my question to you this morning is that sometimes we come and we say, well, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm perfect. I'm okay. 
But God is saying, no, you're not. Because anytime God reveals himself to us, he wants to reveal, I want the fruit of the Spirit to grow in our lives. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, is joy, is peace, is patience. So when God reveals himself, all that God wants us to do is to begin to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And the next thing that happened to Isaiah was, was the B effect. And if we look at Isaiah um, 6 verse 7, it says, With this he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Now, when Isaiah realized that there was something missing in his life, the angel came and said, they took a call from the altar and touched Isaiah's lips and the call and declared that his iniquity was taken away and his sin purged. Now, the fire and the word of God always speaks of judgment and purification. So when Isaiah, when the angel came to Isaiah and put that call in his mouth, the angel was actually, Isaiah was going through a refining process, a purifying process. Now, if you look at Malachi 3, 2 to 3, Malachi 3, 2 to 3, it says, but who is able to abide, who is able to endure when he comes? Who will be able to stand and face when it appears? For he will be like a blazing fire that refines metal, or like a strong soap that bleaches clothes. It will sit like a refiner of silver, burning away the dross. It will purify the Levite, refining them like gold and silver, so they may once again offer acceptable sacrifices to the Lord. So, Isaiah was going through a refining process. And as Christians, the, 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 the Christian journey, it is not an end in itself. It is a process. When we come to God, we are saved. But God takes us through refining. God takes us through purifying. You know, as, as we, we come to him, it begins, just like it, it begins to, to, to refine, to cut those things, those edges, you know, in our lives that do not please him. And that's exactly what Isaiah was going through at this point in time. Because he recognized his own inadequacy and the angel came and began to cleanse his lips. So Isaiah was going through a cleansing, a, a, a refining, a, a purifying. The hot coal of the refiner's fire was used to purify precious metal by causing the dross to float to the top of the, of the melted silver to be scooped off. So when Isaiah confessed his sin, there was this immediate purification given through the fire. The lesson is obvious. When we repent of our sins and put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, it purifies us from all our sin. Now, I was struck by a word in Isaiah 6, uh, verse, uh, verse 6. It says, Then one of the servants flew to me with a life coal. One of the translations says, with a burning coal. Now, the coal was not burnt. It was burning. Now, you might think that that is not significant, but for me, it, was quite, it, it kind of struck me that this was not a burnt coal. This is a burning coal. 
which means that when we come to God every day, we experience his presence. We don't, we don't get burnt just once. This is a, a cord that is fresh, that is burning on the altar at that particular point in time. So when we come to God's presence, we are alive in his presence and he's doing a work in us. You know, if you look at uh, Philippians 2, verse 13, you know, the Bible says, it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So when we come to God's presence, God is doing a work in us. God is, is refining, is changing, is, is conforming us to himself. is making us like him. And that's so important because we, we get saved, but we go through a process that God begins to reveal himself to us. And as God reveals himself to us, we become like him. And that is so important. And that was what Isaiah experienced when he had an encounter with, uh, in Isaiah 6 verse 7. Now, after that, God commissioned Isaiah to go. He said, go! Speak of the commission that we have all, that you've heard from me. And if you look at Isaiah 6 verse 9, he said, go and tell these people. So God commissioned Isaiah to go. Now, God will have to do a work in our lives before he sends us away. If you look at Mark, uh, Mark 2, the Bible talks about that God, Jesus called the 12, that they might be with him and that he might send them away. Now, anytime God calls a man, God wants that man to be with him first before he sends him out to be a witness. So very important what happened to Isaiah, that Isaiah is kind of giving us a picture here that, yes, for you to be sent by God, you must have gone through a process. Because when you go, you must go with substance. So Isaiah was going with a substance that he received from the Lord. He has recognized that this is not about me. He has recognized that, Lord, I need you to refine me. And he's not saying that, now I can go. Because God has refined me. God has cleansed me. I have realized that this is not about me. This is not about what I am. It's not about the eloquence of speech. This is not about somebody standing, standing before you and giving you an excellent sermon. This is all about that this person has gone through a process. And I'm going through a process in my life as well. Because every time I experience something in my place of work, at home, I feel that God is taking me through a process. I feel that sometimes, I mean, thankfully I've been married for 10 years. And if there's anything I've learned being a married person, is that I am becoming more patient. Amen? I could hear some people giggling there. I am becoming more patient. Now, when I was, before I got married, I was impatient. I would just go in 60 seconds. Oh, I've gone. But becoming married, I've, I've, I've learned that as a husband, I've got to be patient. As a father, I've got to be patient, you know. And it, in every other thing I do, I've got to be patient. And if you look at the fruit of the Spirit, it's patience. You know, so 
I feel for me in the last 10 years, God has built me, God is building me as a man that is becoming more patient. If you look at Moses, Moses was a man that was angry. Oh, goodness me, Moses was so angry that he killed somebody and he ran away. But when God dealt with Moses, the Bible says that Moses was the meekest man. Can you believe that? The same man that the Bible referred to as being violent, that the same man that became the meekest man? Ask yourself, is there anything in my life that, that God needs to refine? God needs to work on? Surely there's something. It could be your time. It could be the way you relate to people. It could be maybe when things happen to you, you are always quick to run away from it. You know, I was, I, I was discussing with my wife, and, and, and if she permitted me to share this, I was saying to her that some, like, she had this issue somewhere where she used to work before, and um, she didn't like it. And she wanted to leave by all means. And I kind of said to her, look, do you, have you ever asked yourself, could it be that God is actually training you to know how to deal with difficult situations? So that when you know how to deal with that, and you find yourself somewhere else, or you find somebody going through the same thing you are going through, because you have gone through that with grace, you can say to the person, cheer up, all will be well. Come on, God is faithful. You know, for me, <clears throat> one of the things I've learned in this country, <clears throat> excuse me, is that financially, I don't bother. Because when I came to the, to the UK, I had no money. If I had to pay 9,000 pounds for my tuition fees. And I didn't have any money. And I had to believe God for sustenance. So for me, when people say they don't have money, I said, don't worry. All will be well. I remember a few years ago, somebody said to me, he said, Dio, you, have, you don't have a car. I said, I do. He said, you don't. I said, I do. You just can't see the car. He said, are you crazy? He said, no, you just cannot see the car. The car is there. It's going to come. And then a few years ago, after that happened, I, I went and I said, look, I told you, didn't I? And that is the car. You know, and so for me, the, the experiences I've, I've gone through have shaped my life to be able to say to people, look, don't worry, I'll will be well. So the things you are going through, the things you have gone through, God may use those things to bless others. To be a blessing to others. You know, and that's what the Bible talks about, you know, uh, the seed that grows, that brings forth fruit. And the fruit you have in your life are the things that you have gone through. And so don't be discouraged when you go through all this thing because God is actually refining you. So when you go, you can then go to your office and make a difference. You can go to your community and be the difference. You can go to your home and create a difference. You can go to your friends and let them see the difference. A friend of mine said to me a few years ago that you, I became a Christian because of you. I'm like, okay, whatever I did, God be the glory. God be the glory. So, wherever you find yourself, ask the Lord, Lord, the things I have gone through, help me to use those things to make a difference, to create a difference, to be the difference. And everywhere I go. And that was what Isaiah did. He said, go and tell. And Isaiah went. And it made a difference in the lives of God's people. 
And that brings up the, the last, um, the, the, the third point, an unusual call for church life. Now, very significantly, when God asked Isaiah to go, he said, he gave an instruction. He said, make the heart of the people, he said, be ever hearing, but never understanding, be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Now, have you ever asked yourself, God asked Isaiah to go, and God said, Isaiah, you are going to preach to these people, but they will not believe everything you are saying to them. He said, be ever hearing, but never understanding. Wait, I'm going to admit it. Isaiah has been commissioned to go. And God is saying to Isaiah, well, I've asked you to go, but trust me, you will not be successful. Now, that for me is quite interesting. God commissioned Isaiah as a prophet. He commissioned him to have a rather, humanly speaking, unsuccessful ministry. But in God's eyes, Isaiah was successful. But unsuccessful as far as outward result can show. Now, that is, of course, important for us because we are a growing church. You know, and I asked myself this very, very hard question. How would we measure the success of this church? Numbers? More people? Will we judge ourselves by what we see or what we don't see? Would we say that the reason why this church has not grown is because we are failures? It's been nine months we've been, we've been here. And to God be the glory, we've had people come to Jesus. Do you know how many churches are hard that people have not been saved? God has blessed us with souls in this place. Are you guys still coming <laughs> every Sunday? So we're doing something right, for starters. You know? But Isaiah had a very, very unsuccessful ministry. And I just want to encourage Duncan because I, sometimes the, 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 the bulk of everything lies on the leader. And we look at ourselves and we ask ourselves that are we failures? Numbers? More people? Isaiah was not successful in the ministry that God gave him. Yet, it kept going. People are inclined to think that if we do not grow in numbers, then something is a matter. Well, that is not true to the word of God. Because Isaiah, that was what God asked him to do. But the key thing is that Isaiah was faithful to what God had called him to do. And that's the encouragement for us this morning. That as Duncan leaves this church, you know, I'm, I'm very sure God will say to Duncan, that this is the pattern I want you to, to follow. And as he follows that, it does not matter whether there's 10, there's 1,000. The key thing is that God will say to Duncan, you are a faithful servant. You have done what I've asked you to do. I am not moved by numbers. I am moved by your faithfulness to what I've called you to do. I am moved by you sticking to what I've said you should do. And Isaiah did not change the message. He didn't go and say, you have to listen by force. No. He knew that the people would not listen. But he kept going. Oh, God would desire to be at the center of your will for our lives. Help us to know that we are fully pleasing to you at every point in time. But guess what happened in verse 11? Isaiah asked a question. He said, for how long, O oh Lord? 
God commissioned Isaiah, but Isaiah was bold to ask questions. And that is why we do prayer meetings. That is why we have self-fellowship. Because we are saying, Lord, yeah, we are not growing number. For how long, oh God? What do you want us to do? What is the pattern? Where do you want us to go? We must be willing to ask the Lord like Isaiah. How long, oh Lord? He also wanted to know how long this was going to last for. And God spoke to him how long it was going to last for. And if you look at Isaiah 11 to 13, that just beautifully summarizes what, um, how long God was going to, um, how long uh, Israel was going to go through what Isaiah was going to prophesy to them. So it's very important that we stay in the place of prayer, we stay in the place of worship, we ask the Lord, Lord, how long? And our prayer should be, how long, O oh Lord, till you bring righteousness to Pharaoh? How long, O oh God, till you cause people to come to us, to be a blessing? How long, O oh God, till you reign your glory in this town? How long, O oh God? And that was Isaiah's desire. How long, O oh God? And anytime we go to our knees, we should also be saying, how long, O oh God? And lastly, God encourages Isaiah. And so until the city be ruined without inhabitants, the house left deserted and the field ruined and ravaged. But as the terebinth and the whole tree leave the stump when they are cut down, so the only seed will be the stump in the land. So that's why the fact that Isaiah's message was not going to make any effective, will not, will not be effective in the lives of the people. God just said the terebinth and the whole tree. And that's where I'm going to just stop this morning. The terebinth is an evergreen. Uh, tree that even when it is cut down like a hog tree, and I've got a lovely picture there. Okay, it's and that's a stump. And God is saying to Isaiah that even the tree is cut down, that that stump can still bud again, and that the church is still relevant in this day and age. The tree might be stripped of its leaves and its branches lopped off, and nothing but the stump left. But from that seemingly decay and death stock, God will bring about greatness. From this stump that we see today, guys, God is going to bring about a mighty harvest in this town. God is about to do something great. If I just ask them, we just sing one more song. Why? Why? We got a song? Okay, so uh, if you want to just... <laughs> So if you want to just Monday, I'll just close because we've got a few minutes left. Uh, in the storm, God is about to bring something great. We will again experience the outpouring of God's spirit. Call to action. God has called us to show forth his glory. Whatever we do, we must remember that we are doing all to the glory of God. We are the stump. And in this same stump, God is going to bring about a mighty plantation. So if you want to rise with me as we pray, and then we'll just sing a song, and then we'll close the service. Lord, we just thank you for what we've heard this morning. I thank you for Isaiah's commissioning. Lord, I just pray for us this morning. Would you bless us? Would you refine us? Would you encourage our heart this morning? Now, I just pray, Lord, as a church, that we remember that we are like the stump, and it will board again, and we're going to see increase in this land, and we're going to trust you for the pattern you want us to follow. Thank you, Lord.
Amen.